Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Munganas St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Here's the pitch. A swing and a high fly ball. This could be trouble. It's at the wall. And it's a gunner. He scores! Now, sports on a Sunday morning on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. It is a beautiful day, Brian Kelly. Great day in St. Louis. Gorgeous. And we're going to have all that winter weather coming. Let's enjoy it while we can. This is a great day to celebrate St. Louis sports. The Cardinals were one of the final four teams still standing. We know they have to be better in 2020, and we know they have to be better to be a serious World Series contender. But my gosh, they were good. And we will talk to John Mosellock about it at 1130. What kind of pressure is on him to make a move? How's he feeling about it? How is John Mosellock doing? We'll talk to the Cardinals president of baseball operations at 1130. But first and foremost, it's time to really just sit back and enjoy the fact that the St. Louis Blues are not only the reigning Stanley Cup champions, but they're the team that everybody is talking about in the NHL right now. They are still the team that everybody is talking about. They flat got it done again in dramatic fashion. What I want to do is credit our good friends over at Fox Sports Midwest, John Kelly and Darren Pang. I stayed up late watching it last night. They called a great game, and here it is. So I want to let you listen to the highlights of the Blues and the Calgary Flames on Fox Sports Midwest, a raucous crowd up there. They were ready to end this Western Canadian road trip for the Blues, and the Blues just weren't having it. Take a listen. McKeckard, Barbashev, and Sunquist against Derek Ryan, Alan Quine, and Sam Bennett. Off Goudreau's stick, and the Blues have possession. One of the many great trades that Doug Armstrong has made in his tenure as the general manager here with the Blues. Yeah, getting Big bow and a shot block right to McKeckard. On goal, rebound, Sunquist. Rebound, another shot. They score! Barbershev hooks it in, and the Blues with a 1-0 lead. It's the third time they've been on the ice this early in the game. We're not even four minutes in. Nice quick shifts by the St. Louis Blues. Long road trip, and that one went off the left heel of the skate of the goaltender, and then no one there. Barbershev came around the net after this nice shot. It gets blocked, but still, it continues the pressure on the Calgary Flames, and there's the wraparound. Goal. Stolen by the Blues in front. Riddick got over and made a great save on O'Reilly after Sundquist stole the puck back to the goal. Non-stop action here in Calgary. Blues up by one. Look at Monaghan. Clear-cut breakaway. And a save by Bennington, and it goes out of play. I had to go there. Just a set up for the whole Thank you. Appreciate it. Now Shen, Petrangelo to Thomas, and he hit the net there, and a good save by Riddick. A little bit of a net front presence and simplify it just a little bit. Maybe more pucks to the net. Now Perron back for Petrangelo. And then Perron off the wall. And a drive, and they score O'Reilly. What a shot by O'Reilly, a power play goal. And the Blues with a 2-0 lead. He gets it on the right side. Petrangelo will get an assist. Forehand, backhand, that is probably five to seven feet. That's how close they are together right there. So they tighten things up, make an adjustment. Now Barbershev cuts it off. The Keckert, the Barbershev, the Sunquist, a shot. What a save by Riddick. 
on Sunquist. Oh my goodness, what a save this. And Oscar Sunquist supports it in the corner on the goal line. And you can see Mackenzie McEachern's there. And then Sunquist quickly. It is at 98 minutes and penalties in his career. That's a pretty amazing number. Yeah, that's discipline for sure. He's good, good with the stick. He lures people into different areas, lifts their stick, rolls away from them. Now a pass in front to Chuck Schitt. He scores! Kachuk makes it a 2-1 game. I thought it was their best shift of the game. And now a little, little jump and chase right there ends up to the front of the net and Kachuk is in the high slot. Travis Hammond, that's who came in front of the net. Giordano for Backlund. What a move around Barbership. Still with it, and a shot, and a save, and a rebound by Mangiapane, put it high. Tip to Hamidin. Now Travis Hamidin. That's going to go wide on Pareko. No, that doesn't work. Look out, stolen, they score, it didn't work. Hamidin ties it. Former New York Islander, you go wide on, on Pareko, and I... You know, there's no way you end up beating him, but the puck goes off the boards and off the side of the net, and I'm not sure if Bennington was ready on it. He thought he could corral it. It goes off the side of the net. He doesn't corral it, doesn't get his stick on that one. And guess what? Another overtime game. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> it's O'Reilly, Perron, and Pareko against Kachuk, Hannafin, and Lindholm. Now for Lindholm. To Kachuk. And thought about shooting, still with it. To the net, tipped on goal, save Bennington on Lindholm. Good play. O'Reilly spins around. Great play to Shen. Right in front, backhander on goal. And a save by Revick. And they jam away. Shen goes down, O'Reilly over there. Now Perron. Across, O'Reilly with it. Here's Perron again. And then O'Reilly, Shen's right in front. O'Reilly waiting, Perron shoots, and he scores! Another overtime winner for David Perron! How about that road trip? And that's the confidence that we see when he's got it. You know that he wants to fire it. They wait, they wait, and bang! One quick shot, one quick snipe, and the magic tandem of Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron, and this one's money. They have been money. incredible. Money in the bank for sure. Darren Pang and John Kelly with the call on Fox Sports Midwest. Four goals and seven assists for Ryan O'Reilly during this amazing seven-game winning streak. For David Perron, three goals and seven assists. He has eight goals on the season, and he has done it in dramatic fashion. Here he is, Blue Note Productions. Five of those in overtime. What, what goes right <laughs> for this group when it comes to extra time? Well, tonight was a power play, and... Uh, yeah, so it worked out. Sometimes uh, when you get four on threes, uh, I haven't been out on four on threes uh, that much in my career, so uh, you kind of have to get a feel for it the first few seconds. And uh, but the guys do a good job. They again, all right, put it right in my wheelhouse there and uh, able to put it home. So it's it's nice to to go home now after uh, all these wins on the road. And we felt like we played some good hockey. Five game winners for you on the year. Where's your where's your confidence level at right now? Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Like. Um, I just feel like we we turn the page after every night. We we keep going back at it the next day and, and trying to work some more, trying to get better and keep cleaning cleaning up stuff uh, either from our game or individually. And 
Um, no, I've, I've been impressed with the group, the way we've uh, reacted uh, every single night, and even on back-to-backs uh, recently, we've, we've won them all, so it's been awesome. That being said, probably didn't want to go to overtime tonight. What, uh, what did you see in that third period? Yeah, I mean, the first goal, uh, I'd have to look at it again. The second's a bad bounce. Um, comes right in front of the net. Their, their guy reacted well and shot it on uh, low glove right away. So I, I, I think it's a good reaction by their player more than, uh, than a breakdown by us. It's just an unlucky bounce there. And um, if it doesn't get there, who knows, maybe we just close it like that. But uh, again, we found a way, uh, regardless of the situation, to, uh, to win it, and it's huge. Your goal is that a set play, or is that just finding some open space with the man advantage? Yeah, it was probably more the second part. Um, the, the set play was kind of we're trying to, I don't know if you noticed, but O'Reilly started on the other side. I started on non-one-timer side, and we, we try all year to uh, be able to play all, all positions so that it's tough for the PK on the other side to uh, to react to how you're, you're set up, basically, and uh, yeah, it worked out. Petro talked to me that he was going to go low, and I came up higher, and um, Ori took the space and put it right in my wheelhouse and uh, scored it. So Did it was you awesome. One after you gave him his. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know. Like uh, again, I, I've said it many times. We we put so much work uh, before and after practice and during practice all year. Like he's he's all there 30, 40 minutes after practice, and I've been staying with him just to try and get better since uh, since the start of last year and. Uh, it's been a blessing to play with him. Wow, amazing performance by the Blues and David Perron. They really are amazing. I mean, this Blues team just keeps winning in overtime. They keep winning in dramatic fashion. Perron has eight goals this season. Five of them have been game winners. How about this? He is the first player in NHL history to have three overtime goals prior to his team's 20th game. First player in NHL history. To have that. The Blues have played 18 games. The Blues, after 18 games, are 12-3-3. They have 27 points. They are three clear of all teams in the Western Conference. They are five points clear of any team in the Central, leading Colorado in the Central. And in the NHL overall, they are two points behind the Washington Capitals, who have the league's highest point total at 29. What a performance by the Blues. We'll hear more from Ryan O'Reilly and from Blues coach Craig Berube a little bit later in our show. College football, it was not as good of a day for the University of Missouri. Jake Fromm threw two touchdown passes, but that was not the problem, really. Fromm's good. He already knew that. He's probably the most experienced quarterback in college football right now. But... Missouri had no offense whatsoever. Kelly Bryant out with a hamstring injury. Jonathan Johnson out, their top wide receiver. And Missouri had zero offense, literally. They lost the game 27 to nothing. Georgia posts its third shutout and really dominates Missouri in all facets of the game. We're going to hear from Barry Odom, the Mizzou coach, agreed to an interview on sports on a Sunday morning. He always speaks his mind, always very honest. We will ask him what's going on with this team. I mean, it was not long ago that Missouri was ranked. They played in front of a sold-out crowd at Faroe Field, and everybody, I think, was on board with this team after winning five straight home games. Since then, they have lost on the road to Vanderbilt, Kentucky, and now flattened by Georgia. And, oh, by the way, Florida's coming in to Columbia on Saturday. So it's going to be a tough go here for Missouri from here on out. And, oh, Tennessee's playing better, and Tennessee's on the schedule. Arkansas is the worst team in the SEC, but they'll be ready to go. They want to beat Missouri. That's becoming a bit of a rivalry, a little bit of bad blood there. So 
it's it has been rough. Missouri loses the game twenty-seven to nothing. On the other side, Illinois is flying right now, and the Illini look great. Brandon Peters threw a five-yard touchdown pass to Daniel Barker with five seconds left, an incredible Illinois comeback to give the Illini a thirty-seven thirty-four victory over Michigan State. Illinois was down twenty-eight to three in the second quarter, and thirty-one to ten entering the fourth quarter. But the Illini climb back. They win the game 37-34 over Michigan State. And the Illini are now bowl eligible for the first time since 2014. They win it over Michigan State 37-34. Did you catch the Alabama-LSU game? What an unbelievable game. that lived up to the hype. And LSU is perfect this season. They are 9-0. They beat Alabama 46-41, and Joe Burrow, considering the circumstances, playing on the road in a hostile environment with all of the the things surrounding the game and needing to win it, Burrow was magnificent. He is now, has to be, the number one Heisman candidate. 339 yards, 393 yards passing, three touchdowns as LSU beats Alabama for the first time in nine tries. 46-41. Burrow, 31 of 39 passing, ran for 64 yards. And this was all about LSU holding off Alabama, the team that everybody considers to be the best. They were down 33-13 at half and rallied three times to pull within a touchdown and did that in the fourth quarter. But Burrow stood his ground. He kept the Tigers in front, and they finish. 46-41, victorious and now 9-0, and while the Tide loses for the first time in four years at home. Tua Tungavailoa, 21-40 of for 418 yards and four touchdowns, but a costly fumble early. Alabama gave up too many points early and could not recover. They lose this game 46-41. Meanwhile, 13th-ranked Minnesota is still unbeaten. They're 9-0, and and who knows what they could do as they continue their season the sky's the limit for them. They have a chance. The first trip to the Big Ten championship game, they have the inside track on that. They beat Penn State 31-26. Minnesota wins the game on Tanner Morgan's passing, 339 yards and three touchdowns. Also, on a big-time interception at the end, Jordan Howden picked off Sean Clifford in the end zone with a minute to go that secured the victory. Penn State was driving, but they're unable to come through with the win. They're now 8-1. and one. So Penn State was the number 4 team in the college football playoff. It looked like they had uh, an opportunity, but they could not at the end. Minnesota wins it. Maybe a lot of people kind of brushed off Minnesota, didn't think they were a real contender. Well, they did that at home and rushed the field and an incredible win for them in the Big Ten. And it'll change things because with Ohio State winning, they were number one in the college football playoff, 73-14 over Maryland. LSU winning, Alabama losing, and Clemson winning. They're going to move into that top four. Who else will? We'll see. It should be interesting on Tuesday when those rankings come out. Trevor Lawrence threw for two scores, ran for another. Clemson beat up NC State 55-10. to Some other top 25 college football. Oklahoma looked like they were going to get knocked out of the college football playoff completely, but they figured out a way to squeak past Iowa State 42-41. They were up 42-21 and then gave up 20 consecutive points, but they were not able to win it. Iowa State went for two and Brock Purdy was intercepted on a potential game-winning two-point conversion with 24 seconds left. Tenth-ranked Florida, I mentioned them. Mizzou's next opponent crushed Vanderbilt 56 to nothing. 
By the way, Missouri lost to Vanderbilt. The one team that uh, nobody's talking about that's also 9-0 and is Baylor. Baylor beat TCU 29-23. They clinched the win on a game-ending interception. We'll see how far they can go as well. Baylor is 9-0. and Notre Dame beat Duke 38-7. Wisconsin held off Iowa 24-22. Texas beat K-State 27-24 in some other top 25 action. We have college basketball on the way as well. We're going to hear from Travis Ford. The Billikens were able to win. They won at home beating Valparaiso, and the Billikens uh, are 2-0. and and they're playing some good ball right now. Travis Ford will be with us at 10.30, coming up in just a bit, as we talk college basketball with him and his team. Victorious over the team from the Valley, Valparaiso, 81-70. to In that game, Hassan French looked awfully good with seven points and eight rebounds, but this was Jordan Goodwin's game. 22 points, nine rebounds, and six assists, three steals, and a blocked shot. He was 10 of 19 shooting. Jordan Goodwin played fantastic yesterday. So did Yuri Collins, 9 points, 6 rebounds, 5 assists, and 2 steals for the freshman point guard from St. Mary's. We'll talk it over with Travis Ford on the way at 10.30. Conzo Martin, the Missouri Tigers, picked up a win in their home opener. He's going to join us at 11.05. Illinois plays tonight at Arizona. A very interesting non-conference game for them after they had to sneak by Nichols State in overtime at home. We'll see how they can handle Arizona tonight. At 11.15, Barry Odom will be with us. Then John Moselock at 11.30, and we'll dive back into college football at 11.45 this morning on Sports on a Sunday morning. We have a lot to get to. We're going to do it when we come back. It's 10.23. Tom Ackerman with you. Oh, one other note. Audrey Ackerman's in the studio along with Erica Ackerman. My two lovely daughters and Audrey's Reed Panthers beat Merrimack 4-3 to at Shaw Park in Clayton to finish strong. They only lost one game all season. They were tough. Tough little third-grade soccer team, I'll tell you. We'll be back in a moment. Sports on a Sunday morning on KMOX. Beautiful day in St. Louis. Back after this. Welcome back to the Munkadass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munkadass pre-owned on South Limburg on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back. It's 1027 Sports on a Sunday morning. Tom Ackerman with you. James O'Sullivan is our producer. Brian Kelly will have news at the top of the hour. We go until noon here today. What a special weekend it is. If you're a Cardinals fan, how blessed are we? Even if you're not a Cardinals fan, you just love baseball. How blessed are we that we have... Bob Gibson and Whitey Herzog in our lives. Bob Gibson turned 84 yesterday, and on the same day, the other Hall of Famer, Whitey Herzog, who shares that birthday with him, turned 88. Let's pay tribute to them right now. At 1968, the World Series, Game 1, that is Bob's signature moment, don't you think? Here we go. Gibson has tied the record of Sandy Kopax. 15 strikeouts in a single World Series game. Trying for number 16 right now against Cash to break the record. He takes his set position. He delivers. Here's a pitch. Swing and a miss. He did it. Another great ovation for Gibson, setting the new World Series mark. 16 strikeouts in the game. Two down to the ninth inning. Horton the batter. Cardinals lead 4-0. The Tigers have Stanley at first. And two down of the ninth inning. Horton waiting. Here it comes. It's a strike. That's number 17. The game's over. The Cardinals win. 
You struck out 17, setting a new World Series record. It's fantastic. I mean, the fans just stood and cheered you, and that must be your most thrilling moment in sports. You've had many. Well, I, I guess so. I didn't know what they were cheering about, and uh, Tim came out in front of the plate, and I just turned around and looked at the scoreboard. I, uh, I had no idea. Bob Gibson, congratulations once again. Thank you so much. It's a masterful performance once again. Thank you very much. Bob Gibson in 1968, a tremendous career, 84. Bob Gibson turned 84 yesterday. And the signature moment for Whitey Herzog, well, I mean, there's so many, really, but it has to be this one, I would think, 1982. First two have been retired. Gorman has proven, Gorman Thomas has proven to be a tough customer. Suter from the belt to the plate. A swing and a miss, and that's a winner. That's a winner. A World Series winner for the Cardinals. Porter throws his mask into the air. The players converge around the mound. The police arrive on the scene. The canine patrol and the mounted patrol. Some fans manage to get on the field, but they needn't do that and they won't be out there very long. The Cardinals have won the game six to three. The Cardinals have won the National League pennant. And the Cardinals have won the 1982 World Series. Whitey Herzog, the manager of that 1982 team. Happy birthday to Whitey Herzog, 88 years old yesterday. And Bob Gibson, the Hall of Famer, 84. They shared a birthday on November 9th. Joining us on the line now is the head coach of the St. Louis Billikens. It's Travis Ford. He joins us at 1030 on Sports on a Sunday morning after another win, 81-70 to over Valparaiso. Good morning, Coach. How you doing this morning? Doing wonderful. Doing wonderful. Just uh, the long night watching film, but uh, it's uh, it's always better the next morning after a win. I bet. Is that what you do after a game? Do you go right into to watching film immediately, or do you take? I, I you know, it's usually after a loss we do straight <laughs> into it. <laughs> but after a win, you enjoy it for a couple of hours, and usually late uh, at, at home, I'll uh, I'll end up watching it. So. Uh, it's uh, an, another uh, advantage of winning sometimes, especially for the staff, where you don't uh, have to go straight into film. Yeah, because, I mean, I would think that, you know, after a game, it's hard to wind down anyway, right? I mean, you, your mind's still kind of moving pretty fast. It is. It's, uh, it's very difficult uh, because, you know, first it takes – you put so much into a game. I mean, it's for, for two days, you know, all, all I'm thinking about is our team and Valpo, what we need to do against them. And the night before is always a long night because everything's going through your head. And then when it's over, win or lose, uh, it is. It's hard to unwind because there's so much going through your head. Uh, even after a win this time of year, and it's a little bit different later in the year, but this time of year, even with a win, um, you're sitting and you're trying to figure out so many things that you got to get better at, you know, as the, as the year goes on and you actually get into usually February after a game. Yeah. There's little things you might have to adjust, but you're moving on to the next game pretty fast just because, you know, you should be uh, running on all cylinders by that time. And there's just minor adjustments right now, even out of, out of last night's game, there are so many things we've got to get better at. One of those things I would imagine would be defensively making sure that you don't commit too many fouls. I mean, the the fouls yeah. they, they piled up pretty quickly. And those are two players who are pretty aggressive defensively too, especially Fred Thatch and Hassan French. 
Well, it is, and I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, that's something that we've got to address. Half their points uh, we uh, in the first half came – almost half their points came from the free throw line. But we are an aggressive, physical basketball team. That's how we play. And, you know, sometimes I think it takes the referees a little bit of time to get used to, you know, the physical play that's uh, maybe a little bit different than most teams. And I think as the game went on, it started to open up a little bit for us as far as allowing us to play a little more aggressive and to play the way we want to play. But last night we were in foul trouble. It felt like all night long with multiple players. We were – uh, luckily, we have a little bit more depth than we've had in the past, and it didn't uh, affect us as quite as much other than with our rhythm. Our rhythm, uh, we never got in a rhythm last night other than for about a three- to four-minute span late in the first half. That was about it. Yeah, Demarius Jacobs comes off uh, with 20 points. Uh, we'll talk about Jordan Goodwin in a moment, but a career-high 20 for Jacobs, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, DeMars, you know, I challenged him the day before. Uh, I, I thought he had been underachieving a bit as far as not utilizing all his strengths and affecting the game enough. Uh, not that he had been doing poor. I just didn't think he had been doing enough. And I challenged him the day before in an individual meeting. He and I were talking. I said, you need to figure out how to go out and get 15 points. You need to have that goal in mind. I don't care how you do it. I need you to do it with good shots. But you need to have the mindset that you need to be more aggressive offensively, whether it be get to the free throw line or make a few threes or get to the rim. And uh, he came out uh, and was very much more offensive-minded. And we need him to be that way because he's one of the players on our team we've always believed could be an offensive threat for us. You put the ball in Jordan Goodwin's hands. When you needed him most, he came through. Not only playing with four fouls, but figuring out a way when that lead got down to one with seven minutes to go, he's able to help you stretch it out a little bit. What a player he is. He does it all. Yeah, Jordan last night obviously had an incredible stat line from points to rebounds to assists to steals. But his leadership might have been the best I've seen him have last night. From beginning to end, no matter what the circumstance was, in the huddles, on the court, he was leading his team, and I was very, very impressed with uh, how he had grown up leadership-wise last night and the things he was saying to his team late in the game when things got a little bit tighter. So that was the thing probably I was most proud of. We needed his points. He kept he and uh, Demarius Jacobs kept us in the game the first half with their offensive output. But Jordan Goodwin, he is a competitor, uh, and his leadership was terrific last night. Jordan Goodwin with 22 points. He has steals. He has rebounds. He has assists. He, he probably could have added a, a few more steals, actually, to that stat line because he was everywhere. And then, you know, who fills up a score sheet pretty well is Yuri Collins. You know, we talked about him last week, but he, he we know that he can score, and he actually started to score a little bit more in that second half. He did. He was looking to score a lot more than he normally does. Uh you know, I think we had their defense pretty spread out most of the night, and I think he saw some holes. But uh, he was being a little more aggressive trying to score it, and that's uh, is a little unusual for him. But, uh, you know, Yuri does so much for our team as a freshman. He's going to be up and down a little bit. I thought last night he made incredible plays for us. And then at other times it was all about decision-making for him, just making the right decision at times. 
But, you know, as a freshman, it's a, every game's a learning experience right now for him. This is a different level, uh, going against great competition every night. But we have great trust, great faith in Yuri. You know, played over 30 minutes last night. So, you know, obviously we believe in him. Nine points, six rebounds, five assists, two steals for Yuri Collins. That line for Goodwin, 22 points, nine rebounds, six assists, and three steals. And Demaris Jacobs, 20 points, three rebounds, and an assist as the Billikens win 81-70. to The Valpo team's pretty good. Now, they lost Ryan Fizikas, I saw, to a hand injury. Uh, that kid, he can bomb from the outside, too. That's, that was a tough loss for them, but they're good. They're very good. Uh, I started going into the game, and I know how I like to pump up teams, but I'd watched their first game against Toledo, and I was extremely impressed. Uh, it's a team that's been together for a little bit. Uh, they run a very difficult offense, but they know it. Uh, they've got it down to a T. And uh, you could see in the second half, even though they lost Fazekas, their offense was giving us trouble to guard. Uh, and they were making shots. This is a team, if they can get him back, it's a team I, I, I think easily they could win over 20 games. I think they're that good right now. Yeah, Daniel Sackey, their uh, little guard there, had 22 points. He can play. And the Valpo Crusaders lose to the Billikens 81-70. to So your team, 2-0 and to start the year. You've been able to put together an output of 80 points a game. It's a great start to your year. Now, uh, what do you look for as you move ahead in your schedule? You have Eastern Washington and then that Seton Hall game on that Sunday afternoon, Coach. Well, we've got a very tough stretch coming up. Eastern Washington is picked to win their league. They're very, very good, big, experienced. Uh, one of the better non-conference teams coming in, a team not a lot of people may not have heard of, obviously, from way out west, but picked to win their league. Really, really good basketball team. Uh, one again last night. I think they're two and zero off to a two and zero start. Is is what they were even they were expected yep. to do that. So we've got our hands full Wednesday, and then as you mentioned, got top ten team coming in uh, the next game. So from this point, it, they're all tough. They're all going to be tough. Uh, we just got to figure out the second halves right now, Tom. Right now, we're playing great first halves and defensively very mediocre to poor second half defensively. We've got to figure it out. And at the free throw line, how are things going for you there? Pretty normal, not very good. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's uh, you know we made a few last night when we needed to, uh, but overall, it's still a work in progress. Uh, it's it's just frustrating because every day we're making them at a high clip in practice. It's just not carrying over to the games right now. Um, but with that said, at this time last year, we weren't making them in practice or the game. So uh, hopefully uh, at some point it, it'll, it, it'll turn the other direction and we'll start making them more in the games. Yeah, Jacob's 8 of 11 from the line last night. It's better. Right. And uh, certainly the Billikens have, I think, a, 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 there's a buzz about you. I mean, I think coming yeah. off – an A-10 tournament win, a lot more people are going to be talking about you and an appearance in the NCAA tournament. But I think right now what you're talking about is the fact that recruiting, it seems to have really worked well for you. You do have, and this is the final thing for you, just you have a deep team that's learning to play together. And sometimes, I guess, in, in a tough moment like foul trouble, you learn a few things about your team. You have to feel pretty good about what you have coming off that bench. Absolutely, great point. Last night it was a. I think our, our depth allowed us to to pull it out at the end because we had different options to go to late in the game, whether it be bring free throw shooters in, bring defensive teams in. We have different type 
rotations we can play, whether it be defense or offense or free throws. So that helped us. And, you know, Jordan Goodwin, three uh, or two minutes to go in the game, three minutes to go in the game, whatever it was, and the game got really, really tight. Right in the timeout, right before I started talking, he looked at every player and said, this is what we need. We need to be in this position. We need to see what we're made of. And it was just great leadership at the time because we'd lost a 14-point lead. It was a one-point game. Uh, and that's the situation you're in. And you need to face it right. And, you know, there's no changing it uh, other than going out and doing something about it. And I thought that was great leadership. And I think all of our guys right now are, are, are gaining very valuable experience. I really appreciate the time, as always. It's great to catch up with you. And I will remind people that you have four straight home games coming up here. Eastern Washington on the 13th, Sunday the 17th against Seton Hall. That's an afternoon game at 3 o'clock. A night game on the 20th against High Point, And then Saturday the 23rd, another afternoon game against Belmont. And Belmont can play, too. So you'll oh. have to, yeah, no doubt about it. So you, you have four home games. People can come out and have some fun. It's great to take the kids, by the way. By the way. A couple of Billiken fans sitting in the studio with me right now. We have Erica and Audrey Ackerman that are uh, ages thir- right. 13 and 8 that are that uh, would love to get in there. So we'll get them in there as well. Sounds great. It is. I think, you know, if you've watched our team play, and I know you have, Tom, but every person I run into, they've enjoyed watching this team. It is an exciting team to watch. They play hard. Uh, and, you know, they're fun to coach every day. We're young. We're making a lot of mistakes. But uh, it's an exciting team to watch. Shafitz Arena is a great, I think, one of the best places to watch a college game. So everybody come on out Wednesday night uh, and for the rest of the season. It's great to be along with you as always. Thanks for the visits on Sports on a Sunday morning. Thanks for having me. There you go. Salute Coach Travis Ford with us on KMOX. I'm Tom Ackerman. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. And Doug Elgin, the commissioner of the Missouri Valley Conference, they have a league that's very excited because they're going to be playing at Enterprise Center in Arch Madness for another five years, and it's great for the city and great for him. Back in a moment, sports on a Sunday morning. It's 1043 on KMOX. Welcome back to the Munganass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munganass St. Louis Honda on South Limburg on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back to Enterprise Center. Tom Ackerman with you. The Missouri Valley Conference has held its tournament at Enterprise Center Arch Madness for 30 years. This is the 30th year. You can tack on another five as the Valley has agreed through 2024 with an option for 2025 to extend the men's basketball tournament. The commissioner of the Valley, Doug Elgin, is with us at this beautiful building. First of all, what a job they've done on this building over the last few years. My goodness, Tom, uh, you can remember the state of the backstage area and the the concourses three years ago. Uh, the, The job that they've done is incredible, and it's gone from a facility that probably would have had trouble competing for NCAA tournament events. Now it's a top-tier basketball hockey venue nationally. So I think this is going to become, it's going to continue to be an economic engine for downtown St. Louis, and it's a spectacular renovation. You're raising, you know, a lot of money for the city and for the conference and for the institutions. There are a lot of people that win here. Why St. Louis, and what are the decisions that go into extending it here in the city? Well, for us, it's not really a decision. We, we, we're committed to St. Louis. We want to keep it here. The branding is pretty special with Arch Madness. That doesn't play very well in Chicago or Kansas City. Uh, we're, we're thrilled with what's happened here, not only at our tournament, but the teams that have left this tournament. 
11 Sweet 16 trips, two Final Four t- trips for, for a team since 1994, 39 victories. And what's made this tournament special for our fans is the caliber of play and the caliber of coaching. It really, it, no matter who the schools are or who the yeah. players are or the coaches are, it's always seemed to stand the test of time. When we've had changes in our membership, the, the question asked is, who's next? And Loyola answered that question in 2018. Um, we're, we're just really excited to have the opportunity to keep it here. It's the second longest tenured neutral site tournament in college basketball behind only the Big East tournament. And I, I don't know that we could ask for any more in terms of a host city, in terms of the way they've, they've handled us, the way they've supported us. Um, and, and certainly we look forward to increasing uh, the, the national perception of the Missouri Valley in years to come. And the Big East Tournament is held at Madison Square Garden. That's quite yes. the venue, as is this one, Enterprise Center. You also have a lot of people that are involved in making Arch Madness what it is. I know that you're very proud of a staff that has been together for a long time. That has to make a difference. Absolutely. Uh, we've been blessed to have continuity among our staff, and that's made a huge difference, not only in the way this tournament has been managed and our ability to bring tournaments here, NCAA tournaments here, two women's Final Fours, a men's Final Four, and nine other NCAA tournament, of, tournament events. That doesn't happen if we have high turnover among our staff. So we're, we're really excited about uh, looking ahead. We now know that we're here with this event through 2025 and um, we're not counting the years we're just looking to improve year after year and our staff really takes care of this tournament and then a final thing basketball begins this is the week so missouri state is your preseason number one a lot of teams will be trying to knock them off but dana ford's team has got a little talent doesn't he 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 has it and you know i think there there were a number of of teams that were here for a media day a couple weeks ago who were saying what about us and i think usually the media is close to right on the way they they rank the teams coming out of a year when we had significant parity in our leg it's really impossible to i think to determine a one through ten and i think you're going to see some surprises in our leg clearly our league is going to be stronger this year than it was a year ago we've got a great we've got 70 new players coming into our um, um member teams this year and i think you're going to see a much much stronger missouri valley conference we're hoping to get two or three ncaa tournament bids are you happy with the non-conference schedule uh never completely happy with it but i think our our schools are doing all that they can it's amazing how teams high major teams don't want to play our teams and it's understandable Mm -hmm. Uh, you see the results in the ncaa tournament and regular season play Uh, We can play with anybody in the country. You better believe it. So the Missouri Valley Conference gets it going, and Arch Madness is back not only this year, but for five additional years here at Enterprise Center. The winner goes on, gets an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. St. Louis benefits nine games Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We look forward to it for another five years. Thank you, Tom. Great to have you here today. Thank you. The commissioner of the Missouri Valley Conference, Doug Elgin, with us on KMOX. Welcome back to the Munkadass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munkadass pre-owned on South Limburg on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. It's 10.55 after just 22 games as coach at Arkansas. The Razorbacks have fired Chad Morris, their head coach. He went 4-18 and in those 22 games. So that is a 
significant piece of news in the SEC, a team that is on Missouri's schedule at the end of the season. Arkansas has fired Chad Morris, their head football coach. Tight ends coach and special teams coordinator Barry Lunny Jr., according to reports, is expected to finish out the season as the Razorbacks' interim coach. There's been no official announcement that I can see from Arkansas, but multiple reports out of Arkansas and on ESPN that Chad Morris has been let go as the head coach of the Arkansas Razorbacks. So college football is upon us with Barry Odom at 11-15, He'll be the visit. Uh, he'll be our guest to visiting here on Sports on a Sunday Morning next hour. It has been a tough go for him. Three straight losses: Vanderbilt, Kentucky, and now Georgia. Lovey Smith and the Illini are on a great roll right now. They're bowl eligible for the first time since 2014 after their comeback win, 37-34 over Michigan State. We'll get into that next hour, and we'll also talk a little bit more about the lineup of college football teams in terms of the playoff and what they're going to look like when that gets released on Tuesday. It's going to be a shuffle every week. Alabama getting knocked off by LSU. Clemson was on the outside looking in. They won't be anymore. Ohio State wrecked Maryland. Where do they stand in that top four? And what will happen to Alabama? What will happen to Penn State after losing to Minnesota? What will happen to Minnesota? Can they get in there eventually? There's a lot still to be determined in college football. We'll sort it out. We'll start things off with Conzo Martin at 11.05. John Moselock at 11.30. Sports on a Sunday morning continues next hour on KMOX. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.